You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. If, uh, if you're new here this morning, if it's your first time checking out CA Church, or if we haven't had a chance to meet before, uh, my name is Sam, and I serve as one of the pastors here at the church, and such a privilege to get to open up scripture together as a community today and see what God would want to share with us this morning. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to um, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, that's where we're going to be hanging out together this morning. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to grab the Bible from the pew rack in front of you. Is this okay? Check. Uh, From the pew in front of you. Oh, there we go. Sounds funny to me, but we'll go with it. Um, Grab it from the pew, and uh, you can turn to 139. We're going to be spending most of our service today, or the preaching part of our service, working our way through Psalm 139. So I think it'd be helpful to have it right there in front of you so you can track along. Um, While you're turning there, I'll just mention, we have been in a preaching series over the month of January, really leaning into this idea of prayer. And, you know, as I was seeking God over this past few months, really towards the end of 2023, and and asking the Lord where he wants us to grow as a church family. And then as I talked with our our other pastors and and leaders, our elders, the team here, we really sensed that one of the key areas that God was inviting us to lean into this year was prayer, to really become a people marked by the presence of God, to grow in, in deep intimacy with our Savior, both corporately as a church, as we learn to pray together in community, but also individually in our day-to-day lives. And, you know, I, I really believe that if we're going to become the church that God has called us to be, and if we're going to reach people for Jesus in the next 50 years like we have in the past nearly 50 years, that's not going to happen because of better music or better coffee or relevant preaching or, or any of the rest of it. And all those things are important, especially the coffee. But if we're going to become the church that I really believe God's calling us to be, we're only going to get there through dedicated time on our knees in prayer, contending for renewal in our church and in our city and in our world. The key to this next season, I really believe, is going to be becoming a people of prayer. So we started this this series off in week one, learning how to hear God's voice. Last week, Pastor David talked, I think he shared a fantastic message, like maybe one of my all-time favorites ever from David Wood, on, uh, on how to talk to God. How do we pray when we don't really know how to pray? And then this morning, this morning we're going to talk about how do we find God in the everyday, ordinary stuff of life? Like, where is he? Not just in the sacred moments, but in the mundane, in the routines, in the Monday to Saturday kind of stuff. So Psalm 139, would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read that passage together? Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, 
you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would be outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, I, uh, I woke up on Monday morning of this week absolutely ready to win the day. <laughs> My alarm went off at, uh, at 5 a.m., just after 5 a.m., at 5.02 to be exact. And I, and I don't say that to impress you with how early I wake up. But just to let you know the kind of zeal I had on Sunday night as I prepared and, and thought about what Monday was going to look like. So my alarm went off. It played that kind of little ring that it does uh, to tell me that it's time to wake up. The unfortunate thing about this specific morning is uh, that sleeping patterns when you have small children are incredibly unpredictable. <laughs> and so I've been woken up several different times in the night by both our kids for various reasons. There's a bad dream, and Harper lost her soother and was trying to find it. And, and sometimes I feel like they're actually tagging each other in, like Kinsley says, I'm going to wake up at one and three, you do two and four. But let's just make sure mom and dad get no more than 90 minutes of REM sleep tonight. <laughs> Anyways, I, I woke up at 5.02. And, uh, and, I, and I just started to debate whether or not I was going to go through with my morning routines or was I going to find another time to, to go to the gym, which is just essentially code for I'll put it off till tomorrow. But after a few seconds of this kind of internal debate that was going on, I decided this was going to be a week of discipline. No excuses. Sleepy or not, I was going to go. I was going to get it done. And so I got up out of bed. I splashed some water in my face and I made my way into the kitchen. And uh, I have a pretty ritualistic um, coffee making routine which consists of me pouring hot water over a single origin bean that I ground the night before. I have a few moments of silent prayer as the coffee drips down. Uh, and then I take a sip of coffee and I proceed with the rest of my day. Now, I'm not going to bore you with every single detail of Monday, January 15th for me. But I do want to kind of hit on a few different moments that happened throughout the day. Let's, let's jump ahead to, to when I got to work. I had some really high hopes for what my workday was going to look like. This is, was a particularly busy week for me with a board meeting on Tuesday night, and uh, then there was a funeral that I was facilitating on the Friday, and, and then I was pre preparing to preach here on Sunday. 
And then on top of that, there was community group. It was Jorley, my wife's birthday. And then there was a gathering, a big gathering with some friends on the Friday night. And so I knew that I needed to get stuff done and I needed to do it efficiently. And Mondays are often good for that. And so I started strong, checking things off my to-do list. But by 9 a.m., as the rest of our staff kind of entered the office, it seemed like everyone had something urgent that they needed from me. And so people were coming in and asking questions. And, and, and it was all nice and it was all fine. But, but one thing led to the next. And, and I, by, by a certain point in the day, actually the time that it was time to go home, I suddenly looked at the clock and I'd only done three out of my whole list of to-dos. But it was already time for me to go and, and sub out my wife and take over with my youngest daughter so she could take our other daughter to gymnastics. Anyway, I love those daddy-daughter times. So, so the next thing that I did is I, I spent some time with my youngest daughter. And we, after she woke up from her nap, we went to, uh, to Kyle Park, which is just a park in Port Moody. And I started pushing her on the swings, her current favorite activity. And so we spent about 20 minutes. She's under two, and so she doesn't say a lot of words, but she started to indicate she wanted to get out of the swing. And so I pulled her out of the swing, and I put her down, and she immediately ripped off her gloves and face-planted into the snow. <laughs> and then she started to scream and call for mommy at the top of her lungs, and I picked her up, and I tried to hug her, but she was unconsolable and just screaming. It felt like hours. It was probably just a few moments. And then I picked up my phone just to check what time it was, if it was time to go home for dinner or something at least. And, uh, and I saw this text from my friend who had, who had texted me a picture of his day. And, uh, and he, he had the hashtag dad life and it was a picture of him with a cold IPA and his kids playing quietly beside him. <laughs> and then I looked up at my scenario and I snapped a photo for him of my real life dad life moments. And there's lots of different moments I could articulate as to what Monday looked like for me. But as I lay my head on my pillow on Monday night, and as I just started to reflect on my day, how things had gone, it felt like really one disruption after another disruption after another disruption. I just whispered these words to God on Monday evening. It's almost under my breath, this prayer. I said, God, where were you in the midst of today? Where were you in the midst of today? Where were you in the midst of work what were you teaching me as I struggled with my short attention span? Where were you speaking, even in the midst of all those interruptions that I faced? Where were you during that walk with Harper? Or in the middle of the night as I tried so hard to console my crying child and get her back to sleep? You know, I wonder, did all those ordinary moments, did they matter to God? I remember as a kid uh, seeing my pastor on Sunday and thinking about what his life might have been from, from Monday to Saturday. And as a little kid, I imagined it was just one long, week-long prayer meeting <laughs> with quiet music playing in the background and maybe visitations from angels. And it is that way to a certain extent, maybe not so much of the angel bit, but, but there, is, there is those kind of moments, but there's also a lot of super ordinary and normal moments. Like, I change a lot of diapers, <laughs> And I wash a lot of dishes, and I take my car to get oil changes semi-regularly, and I, I walk my dog, and I wrestle with my spending patterns and family finances, and I, and I work with our staff, and I talk to my neighbors in the elevator. A lot of my life consists of doing incredibly normal, everyday tasks. And unless you have a butler and a nanny, I imagine yours probably does too. But what if those, those normal, everyday, ordinary moments what if they actually do matter to God? What if he's not only concerned about the sacred stuff, like worship at church or taking communion or a sermon on Sunday morning, but what if, what if he's working in the normal? As you, as you fix cars at work, 
as you do IT support or nursing or coach sports teams or work with spreadsheets? What if God is coming to us through conversations with a friend or through a guest that you might encounter at the winter shelter? What if he has something to say in the middle of the night as you wake up with that? Over a great meal with a friend. That God is all around us. That he's not hiding. That he's actually actively involved in our day to day. Right there in plain sight. But sadly, many times, many times I think we miss him. For for a variety of reasons. It's so easy to miss God moving all around us. The presence of God is something that David the psalmist seems to be incredibly aware of. And so I want to look again at Psalm 139, which we just read together a moment ago. Uh, Look down with me at the first few verses, starting in verse 1. David says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. See, David seems to have this, this heightened awareness of God's presence in the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. In other words, he recognizes God, and, 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 he, and he, he, he notices he doesn't do a single thing in his entire life, in his entire day, without God right there beside him. He says, when I wake up in the morning, when I have bad breath and messy hair, God, you are right there with me. When I stop for lunch break and I pull out my soggy tuna fish sandwich and the stale coffee that I brought from home, you are there. David says, even, even before I say a single word, you know the thoughts that are in my head. And I want you to notice, for David, this is really good news. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. See, this recognition of God with David all around him every moment of the day is something that didn't bring fear or shame. Like, oh, he's watching me. I better, I better not do, I better watch what I'm doing. No, it's not like that. For David, God's presence with him was this announcement of hope. He says, it's, it's a knowledge too wonderful to comprehend. Like that you would know everything about me, God. That you would know that the, the good things, the wins, the great stuff I did, but also like the worst stuff that I ever thought or said or did. And still you would love me. Wow. He recognizes God's presence in, in, in the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. Secondly, in, in this psalm, I think we see, see David is aware that God is leading and guiding him through even the dark and scary seasons of life. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light. You. Notice the level of trust in God. He sees God as his refuge and his guide in the midst of all of life's circumstances and the storms of life. David also seems to be aware of and so secure in his own identity. He has this awareness that he is fearfully and wonderfully made, that he's an object of God's love and affection, his attention. He says, I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I wonder, when's the last time that you looked in the mirror and you said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? When's the last time you looked into the mirror and you said, God, you did an amazing job making this face? (laughs) 
<laughs> and that sounds so funny, but, 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 but we are image bearers of God. Like, just like my kids look like me, or actually they mostly look like their mother, thank goodness, but they look a little bit like me, just like we look like our parents. We also look like God. As God's children, we look like we are made in the image of God. And as a result, every single human being who walks on the earth has this immeasurable value and worth, and that includes you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So stop with the negative self-talk. I also love that David is so confident that God's thoughts are towards him. Do you realize that so many of God's thoughts are towards you? Not only about you, but many of his thoughts are. You're not a burden to God. When he looks at you, he looks at you with fondness and with love and delight. David's also aware that his destiny is in the hands of God. Look at verse 15 and 16. He says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. I I love that sense of security that David has in his destiny in the days that are to come. And, And this is one of the reasons why I believe the Christian story is so superior to all the other stories in the marketplace of religion or even just the ideas that are rampant running in our world today. Because the Christian story says that you're not here by chance. That whether your parents planned your birth or not, that God planned you. And that he has ordained every single one of your days. That he knit you together in your mother's womb. That your future is absolutely secure in him. And remembering that truth for me, it brings so much peace. Remembering that nothing is wasted. That God is using all of it. He's using the the good stuff and the bad stuff. He's using the sorrows, the times of mourning, and he's using the mountaintops. All of it he's using for my flourishing and for the good of my soul. Here's another thing that we see in Psalm 139. That in prayer, David has a place to let out all of his anger and anxiety. I want you to see the honesty in these words from David. Verse 19 says, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are rebellious against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Notice that David invites God into his anger and his hate towards the people around him. Now, It might be important to say that this is not a scripture condoning a heart of hate. Jesus actually has a lot to say about what hate will do to your own heart and to the people around you. But what I I do think that this psalm is teaching us is the appropriate place to bring all of that stuff. And pro tip, it's not to bring it to social media (laughs) so that we can rant and rally support. It's not to bring it to our circle of friends so we can gossip and tear down those people who are around us that we don't like. But the best place for us to bring our frustrations and our hate and our hurt and our anxiety is to God in prayer. In the New Testament, read a scripture, cast all of your cares or your anxieties on him because he cares. Hey, none of those other people care. Social media does not care about what you're walking through or what it's done to your heart. But bring those things before the Lord because he cares for you. Just roll those things on him, trusting he is the righteous judge. And that one day he'll make all things right. Okay, here's a question that I think is worth us asking. 
It's this, are we living a, a Psalm 139 kind of life? Like, do the observations that we made about Psalm 139, do they describe our actual typical experience of walking with God in the everyday? And to be clear, my question isn't, are we living these perfect lives without sin? Because the answer to that is easy. It's an absolute no. None of us are. But that's actually not what Psalm 139 is about. I'm asking, do we, do we recognize God and include him in the highs and the lows of our day? Do we notice him at work in our waking and in our sleeping? Do we bring our sin and kind of the grossness of what's in our heart before the Lord in prayer? For some in this room, I'd imagine the answer to that is yes. You know, we have some amazing mothers and fathers in the faith who've been following Jesus for decades that are in this room even right now. And I imagine there are some people who would say, yeah, I do actually encounter Jesus on the regular throughout my day, and, and, I, and I do bring my sin and imperfections on a daily basis before him, and that's amazing. Keep going. But for others, maybe even for many of us in this room, rather than living in an awareness of God's presence all around us, we can forget about God, God for large chunks of our week. Maybe rather than experiencing God in the dark and scary seasons, we feel alone in the midst of our anxieties and our, our stresses and our pains. For a lot of people that I know, when they look in the mirror, they don't say you are fearfully and wonderfully made. What they see is a list of imperfections and shortcomings. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. Rather than bringing our anger and frustration to God, it can feel so good to air our grievances on Facebook or X or, or in the break room at work. Hey, if you identify more with that second list that I just shared than what David seems to bring before the Lord in Psalm 139, I would say you are in such good company. Welcome to church. We are all in process of laying these things before the Lord and learning to follow him in our everyday. But here's the question that I was thinking about over this last week. Is how do we actually begin to embody those kind of characteristics? Like, how do we cross over into that Psalm 139 kind of life and begin to experience God more fully in our everyday? Well, I think that the crux of the whole psalm is that last two verses, if you want to look down at it, Psalm, psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Here's what David says. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's some work by a guy named John Mark Comer and Richard Foster that was really helpful in these next thoughts that I want to share with you. Um, but, but the word testing here, and it says, test me, God, it comes from the Hebrew word bahan, which is typically used to talk about the testing of metal, kind of the refining and the pulling out of the imperfections of a metal. That word can also be translated, it can be translated as testing, it can also be translated as examine, which is why some people's Bibles, maybe even the one you have in front of you, might translate that verse as examine me and know my anxious thoughts. But whether it's testing or examine, my question is what does it look like to invite God to come to us in that way? To test us, to examine us, to know our anxious thoughts. How do we become aware of him in all of those moments? Well, the short answer is prayer. But did you know that there's actually a prayer that Christians have been using for several centuries in, in, in bringing their life before God in this way? It's called the prayer of examine. And it's nothing overly fancy, but it is a way that we can specifically look for God in the ordinary stuff of our lives. 
It's a way of praying that was first introduced by a guy named St. Ignatius of Loyola. Has anyone heard of him before? And let me tell you a little bit about this guy of Ignatius. In his early life, Ignatius was this wealthy, kind of secular, kind of playboy type guy. He was said to be a brawler with others and, uh, and just a bit of an overall bad boy. <laughs> but at a certain point in his life, he, he, he ended up getting really sick. And so he ended up spending nine months or so on bed rest. And he spent that at his parents' home. And as he was lying in bed with no Netflix or Wi-Fi or social media, can you imagine a sick day with no phone? <laughs> But the silence and the boredom that he experienced over those months on on bed rest, it served as this sort of catalyst for his relationship with God. He started this practice every night before he fell asleep. This is this practice of reflecting on his day. He started to look at what brought him in the day, what brought him a sense of consolation, you could say closeness with God, and what brought him a sense of desolation or distance from God. And he'd do these daily reflections, which would later be named the prayer of examine. And it it became this powerful place of encounter with Jesus. Day after day, week after week, year after year, he would find Jesus in these times of prayer and reflection. He went on to start a movement, a Christian movement called the, uh, the Jesuits. And Ignatius had discovered something. He discovered that it's actually a lot easier to find God when we look back on our lives than it is as we kind of sit in the present. That there's something about looking back that allows us to see this thread of God's grace in and through our lives, this presence all around us. As the saying goes, hindsight is 20-20. But Ignatius also taught that if you grow in this, this ability to see God in the past, that you'll over time begin to find God in the present. Hearing him speak on the sky train or while you're shoveling snow or eating ramen in your dorm room, or whatever it might be. Ignatius believed in this practice so much that he said, if you only have 15 minutes to spend with God in a day, he would say, spend it on the prayer of examine. And that's not right or wrong, it's just his opinion. But that's how much this was an anchor practice for him and for the whole Jesuit movement. James Martin, who's a Jesuit writer, he said, finding God in your examine makes you more likely to look for him during the day. You become more aware of where God was at and where God is. Gradually, you realize that God is active every moment of the day. Finding God by looking back makes it easier to see God there right in front of you. Now, maybe it's important to say that there is no magic power in the prayer of examine. It is a tool, and that's all it is. It's a tool to help us to look back on our lives, to sift through our memories in order to see ways that God has been moving in and through our lives. It's a, it's a tool that can be really helpful in learning to see God all around us. So I think the ushers passed out as you were coming in. The greeters probably handed you a card. If you have that, you can pull it out. And if you didn't grab one because you thought it was a promo for the marriage conference again, then you can grab that later. But uh, we don't often give homework on Sunday mornings. But uh, I actually want to take liberty of assigning some homework this morning. And here's what it is. I just want to encourage you, would you try practicing the prayer of examine this week? Would you take out that little slip, that page that we gave you, and and, and actually try practicing it and see if it's not a place that you encounter the living God? If you're in community groups, that's one of the key practices we're gonna be working through over this week. But there's five simple steps to the prayer of examine. And there's different variations of this. You may know a slightly different variation, or if you look online, you might find other things. But here's the steps that I use. Um, The first step is recenter. Then there's reflect, rejoice, 
repent, and then reset, or what some people would call rest. Let's give you a short word on each of those. First, recenter. You know, I don't know about you, but when I sit down to pray, oftentimes my mind is going like a million miles an hour. And so I'm trying to be silent. I'm trying to hear the, the voice of God, but all I'm thinking about is all the things that I need to do and get done and what time I need to pick up my kids and all the rest of it. And so I think it's, it's a really... ...silence and, uh, and acknowledging God's presence, remembering that the God who, who flung the galaxies into existence is right here with me in this moment. And it can be helpful to just intentionally try to slow down your thoughts. I find it helpful even to slow down my breath, my breathing, just to take a few deep breaths. And to remember that that breath that I just took was put in my lungs by God. Every breath comes from him. Actually, why don't we take a moment and just try that together right now. If you're, if you're comfortable with it, if you're not, you can totally sit this out. But if you're comfortable, why don't you just take a moment and close your eyes And let's just take a moment to intentionally focus our attention on God. And so just recall, just remember that he is here with us in this room right now. That as we've gathered, as we've sung, as we're now looking at scripture, that God is here with us. Maybe you want to try taking a deep breath. You slow your attention down and fixate on the God of the universe. Recognizing that he wants to speak to you. He loves you. He wants to know you and be known by you. Sit in that for a moment. You can open up your eyes. We're not going to take time to work through every single step in this moment of the examine. But as you, as you maybe try tonight or in one of the evenings this week, that's kind of what you want to do as you start is just kind of slow down and remember. That's what I mean by recenter. Just remember that God is right there with you. The second step is reflect. This is where you think about your day. You, kind of, you try to replay your day almost like a movie in your head. And as you do that, notice moments where you felt strong emotions throughout the day. Where did you maybe act in certain ways that might have even been surprising to you that you didn't even expect yourself to act in that way, whether good or bad? We put together a a few questions in that little guide that we handed out. But essentially, you're looking for where God may have been moving and speaking to you in the midst of the stuff that you did throughout the day. Where did you feel most connected to God? Where did you feel most connected to others? Where did you feel least connected to God and to other people around you? Step three is rejoice. You know, gratitude is so key to the Christian life. It's so key to the flourishing of our souls. So we want to take a few moments to to come before God with specific things that brought us joy today. And these don't have to be big things. Maybe it's like, God, thank you for how good that lasagna tasted tonight. I just want to sit here and say thank you for that. Maybe it's, it's an encounter that you had with a friend where you just felt so incredibly loved Maybe, maybe that day actually didn't go at all like you expected or wanted it to go, but where could you be thankful from what you experienced today? Even take time maybe to, to thank God for his presence with you, even if you didn't even recognize him there, that he was with you through the day. Then repent. 
is the next step. Where did you maybe miss the mark today? Where did you maybe lose your temper or say things you wish you didn't say? Where did you act compulsively, not out of past, not out of love, but out of past hurts? And then after you've brought those things before the Lord, your sin and your failures and all of your shortcomings, take a moment to receive the grace and the love and the forgiveness that Jesus has on offer. Scripture says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. That as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So take time to bring those those memories to mind and then to lay them at the foot of the cross and receive the, the, the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus has on offer. And then lastly, reset. In this step, we want, we want to ask this question. We want to say, is there something precise that the Holy Spirit might want to be drawing my attention to? How should this time of reflection and, and the things that came to mind through this time of prayer, how should they shape tomorrow? And what I do this next day and this next week. And then ask God to give you the courage and the strength that it would take to embrace those things that he's brought to mind. Okay, that's it. That's the prayer of examine. And the whole thing can be done in, I don't know, maybe 10 to 12 minutes. And maybe you heard me just say that and you're like, what? Pray for 10 to 12 minutes? That's crazy. And, uh, and if that's you, that, that's totally fine and understandable. And I would say maybe just do the first step, you know? Maybe for you, a win would be just sitting and, and recounting, recentering yourself on the presence of God, remembering that he is with you. If you only spend two or three minutes in prayer, but you don't normally spend two or three minutes in prayer, well, that's two or three minutes more than yesterday, and that is a huge win. Uh, there's a pastor named Rich Volotis who said, if, if your mind gets distracted a thousand times in 10 minutes of prayer, it's a thousand opportunities to come back to the loving presence of Jesus. I love that. So as your mind wanders and you think about other things, don't beat yourself up over it. Just come back, recenter yourself, refocus yourself on Jesus and his presence. Okay, as we close, let me just say this. I I think we all long for a a, a deeper spirituality than just a Sunday spirituality, don't we? I think think we all really want to see God and know God in the everyday, the, the Monday through Saturday, to know his voice to experience his peace. And I really believe that God is inviting us into that, to encounter him, to to really know him. And as we grow in our prayer life, both collectively as a church and and individually, my my hope is that we would become aware of the presence of God, not only in our past, but even in our present. That we would see him moving all around us we'd learn to hear his voice, and then we would respond. Amen? Amen. Let's take a moment to pray. I'm going to invite the team to come back up and to lead us in response. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who didn't create the world and then leave us to figure it out ourselves but a God who is actively involved in our daily lives. And I pray that as we seek to be a people who know you, who know the voice of the shepherd, I pray that you would make it easy for us to hear you, that you would help us to learn to to see you in, in our past as we reflect, even to learn to see you in the present moment. 
I even just pray for my friends in the room. Maybe some here today are thinking, maybe I will give this a shot. I'll try the prayer of examine this week. And so for those who have courage to try something new, God, I just pray that you would meet them in those moments. That they would begin to see you, that we would begin to see you in the midst of our everyday lives. We love you, Lord, and we worship you, our God and our King. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.